Hi, everybody. Welcome to Native Calgarian. This is our very first episode, so here we go. Are you wondering why you wanted to sign up? Well, it's because you know that I'm going to be your host. Um, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Michelle Robinson. Uh, my spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born in Calgary, but my mother is from the Treaty 11 area. And my Indian Act Imposed status card says Yellowknife Dene. I was born in Calgary, so I want to acknowledge that's where I, I'm recording right now. Uh, the land that I'm on is Blackfoot Territory. This land has been taken care of for thousands of years by uh, the Gunai Nation, the, the Siksika, and the Pakani. And the Confederacy was split, actually, by the U.S.-Canadian border. So I acknowledge the Blackfoot Nation. In 1877, Treaty 7 was signed, and that brought along the Stony Nakoda, who are, are the Bearspaw, Chiniki, and Wesley tribes. We also have um, Sutina Nation, that is just in the south part of the city. I always acknowledge Métis, and I want to acknowledge all the Indigenous all across Turtle Island that have come to Calgary to make their place uh, home, like my mom. And on the other side is my father's side. I am uh, a settler all the way to the Mayflower. Apparently, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution. So that's some uh, little bit about me. And I'm grateful that you're you're tuning in. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is I do and some of the uh, conversations that are out there. Right now, Canada's in a, a time of what they say is reconciliation and uh we're working on what that means. And for the first time, Indigenous people are finding a voice. Um, now with new technology and new mediums, we can actually just give our own voice as well. So on Twitter, if you go on Twitter, you'll see that there are uh, there's Native Twitter. And Native Twitter, we all kind of connect with each other and, and get to talk to each other. So that's really positive. Uh, these podcasts, which are new to me, new to uh, my generation, these are fantastic ways to try to communicate. So, you know, I definitely encourage people who have questions to email me in. Um, I also, we're going to have a Patreon account. So the Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. And I want to give a shout out to Kenna and Matt for already showing their support. And if you have questions or comments, don't hesitate to send them to nativeyyc at gmail.com. And I'll go through them in the next couple of episodes. So I wanted to start off, uh, you know, we're just getting to know each other. This is my first podcast all by myself. And I wanted to explain a little bit about what I do, who I am, and go from there. So this is uh, funded only by Patreon account. There's no government uh, monies that go towards this, and I'm not uh, paid for by any organization in order to speak here. So a little bit about me, I'm the Indigenous Liaison for 12 Community Safety Initiative, and uh, 12 Community Safety Initiative is a nonprofit in the area that I live, work, and volunteer in. Um, I'm also one of the co-chairs for the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Committee here in Calgary. And that's the committee, uh, a big table of uh, Indigenous women that come together and lead the Sisters in Spirit vigils that happen every October 4th. So there's themes that are given and, and volunteer roles that are, are divvied out. We also had a round table and uh, had the the police chief, had Carolyn Bennett and significant people to witness some of the issues that our missing and murdered Indigenous families are facing in Calgary. Uh, obviously acknowledge that we're in the middle of the national inquiry. Today's date is 
uh, July 23rd, and, and we're, we're still in the middle of that. Um, another thing that I do is uh, volunteer with a group called Voices, and it's for Two-Spirit, two Queer People of Color, and Chosen Allies. And then it was really necessary for Calgary to have a group of people who identify as color and talk about LGBTQ2 plus issues. And the reason for that is because we all have a cultural intersectionality and a cultural lens when talking about issues. And on top of that, we face a lot of racism within the city. So even so, there were still differences and understandings that need to be uh, figured out between us all. And I know, um, you know a few of the Indigenous, we were really forced to do a lot of educational training for some of the newcomers or people who identify as Black in order to understand why Indigenous issues are so um, different and has a different lens and why we have uh, different legislative, you know, discriminatory measures against us compared to other people. And um, it took a lot in order to get there. So we're going to be do com doing community outreach on Thursday. So if you're interested, go check out Voices uh, Facebook page. They have a website and uh, really encourage you to be a good ally for them. Um, I'm also the vo vice chair for membership and organization for the Indigenous Peoples Commission. Now, when it comes to Indigenous people, we've been forced to listen to somebody else's laws and de democracy, especially call that the colonial framework that's been imposed here. And for those who choose to participate, for those who choose to vote or, or, you know, have a voice about some of the issues, those are people I tried to target and talk about, you know, which of the colonial parties are better for that election cycle for Indigenous people, in my opinion, and, and try to explain my point of view. So the Indigenous Peoples Commission is a part of the Liberal Party of Canada, and I've been a proud volunteer of the Liberal Party of Canada since 2011. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of things to say about that, being an Indigenous woman and being born and raised in Alberta, and yet, you know, not a Conservative. I know there's a lot of stereotyping, and I'm really hoping that this show helps start to debunk a lot of the stereotypes that people have of Alberta, of um, Indigenous people, and start, you know, bridging some gaps there that maybe people had uh, before. Because there, there has been so much negative propaganda up until now. And now that we actually get an opportunity to tell our side of the story, now the narrative is changing quite a bit. And we're seeing that a lot thanks to all of the hard work of our residential school survivors and through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, that a lot of Canadians were unaware of some of the issues that we're facing. Um, another thing that uh, I did was run for municipal election in Calgary in the last uh, general election. And the reason why I did is because uh, just as there is structural racism at every level, there is also at the municipal level as well. And I find that in my area, Ward 10, the Northeast, the greater Forest Lawn area, we have a lot of stigma, and I think we need a champion to talk about our area because I think part of the problem is um, everything is in black and white. This is good, this is bad. And for whatever reason, the, there was a decision made to consider our area bad. Coincidentally, we have a, a higher number of people of color. 
So I don't think it's a coincidence that the narrative has been framed in this way. And I definitely want to change that. But I also want to talk a little deeper into uh, municipal issues and some of the um, what Indigenous point of view brings to it, as well as uh, a person of color in general. Because a lot of policies have been framed without that voice at the table. So now we're seeing a lot of uh, issues that are related to that. So that's part of the reason why I ran for municipal election. There were many reasons to run and uh, hope to get through it, not in this episode, but, you know, through the course of people's questions and such. So one of the things that I do through the 12 Community Safety Initiative is a book club. And that book club focuses on reconciliation. The focus on reconciliation um, and Indigenous issues is needed because so many uh, non-Indigenous people feel so lost about who to talk to, about what issues, and they seem really overwhelmed with it. And I I don't quite understand why, but what I'm doing is hoping to start bridging some of those gaps. And we've had over two years now of books. We have over 20 books that we've done. And uh, that's all listed on our Facebook page, on our on our website. And I'd be happy to discuss any of the books with you. I encourage people to read, uh, especially ind- Indigenous authors. The Indigenous authors give Indigenous perspective. There are some non-Indigenous people who have uh, good perspectives as well and um, may get endorsements from Indigenous authors. So those are ones I tend to follow. Non-Indigenous authors have uh, framed Indigenous issues in a really negative way. And I think in order to break through that, we're going to have to look at Indigenous issues from an Indigenous point of view. So that's uh, part of the reason why we have the book club. The other part is the more people feel connected, the more community pride they show. So for example, if Indigenous people feel like they are part of the community and not stigmatized, of course they want to be more involved in the community. Uh, Community associations are always looking for people of color and for Indigenous people. So I definitely want to encourage the urban Indigenous people who have some free time that that might be a good place to put your time and energy in order to improve the community that we're in and start having some of that uh, inclusion because I think a lot of boards would would like that. Another thing I wanted to talk about... um, Well, I want to talk a lot about, uh, you know, issues that are happening in general and talk about things that, you know, you might not be getting the Indigenous perspective on a lot of things. And I would like to give you resources. Now, from our point of view, there's been a lot of miscommunication. But, you know, we also have a real sense of humor. So there's, for example, Walking Eagle News is a satire site, much, much the same as this hour has 22 minutes for Canadian politics. But it kind of just has the jokes from the Indigenous point of view. So I highly recommend it. Uh, One of the things that has been in the news recently that I wanted to discuss was uh, Jason Mraz. A lot of people are afraid of the term appropriation, yet there's not really a, a big reason to be that afraid of it. When you break it down of what appropriation is, it's, a, it's actually quite easy not to do. So I, number one, encourage people to Google it. Um, Chelsea Vowell is one of the Indigenous authors that has a book called Indigenous Rights, and she does a good example of what um, cultural appropriation is, and especially in regards to things like headdresses, etc. A lot of the Black community in the States, they've done a lot of great work on what appropriation is. Lots of Indigenous authors have tried to talk about this issue, even in mainstream media. So, 
Anyway, uh, Jason Mraz was uh, recently quoted that his wife considers him two-spirit and that he really digs that. He thinks that's pretty cool. So, you know, that obviously hurt a lot of people that identify as Indigenous in the LGBTQ2 plus community because this is a very sensitive subject and a lot of people don't understand why. So um, I want to read the statement that Voices put out about this. Uh, It says, when non-Indigenous take the term two-spirit, they are showing that we still do not have ownership of our terms that we adapted for English-speaking people to show our different intersectionality and the colonial issues that come with this term. We are still working to get those that use LGBTQ2 acronyms to include two-spirit and quit erasing our existence, because sadly there are propaganda pieces still erasing us, and there's lots of racism within the community. The National Inquiry did not include two-spirit at first and had to be advocated for. Many still do not use the term uh, or the acronym MMIWG2. Uh, Indian residential school effects are still being felt to to spirit and to the Indigenous LGBTQ. Uh, complications with Indian residential school trauma induced teachings about that issue are, are the root of that. So we ask you to teach other non-Indigenous not to appropriate this term. Uh, you are a witness to know that this is unacceptable use of the term, if non-Indigenous. We thank you in advance for those uncomfortable conversations. Please understand fragility, while uncomfortable, can help save the lives of two-spirit and save Indigenous more emotional labor of explaining this, and feel free to share their post. The reason why I brought it up was that being a witness is really important. If you know something, you have a responsibility to share it. And inherently, I think we all have that within us, but in in Indigenous terms, it's very specific to being a good witness and to sharing that knowledge as a responsibility of what you heard. And we did that with the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Roundtable community conversation that we had. We asked significant people like Carolyn Bennett to be a witness. And after hearing what was said to continue educating others as to the importance of, you know, policy changes and and things that they had learned about that evening. So that's what this is about as well. You know, if if I'm telling you not to use the term two-spirit and you hear why, you have a responsibility to tell others why it is you would never use that term. And also we want to make sure that that inclusion starts to begin and starts to happen because I still see, you know, politicians using the LGBTQ2 plus um, acronym, but failing to acknowledge the two-spirit or, you know, nonprofits or community members. So this is really a shout out to ask people to, you know, correct that information when they hear it. Fragility, I know it's uncomfortable, but there needs to be an understanding that Indigenous people are dying, that we are being killed, that there is still legislative framework that prevents us from being fully included, that there's still segregation through the Indian Act, and that we don't, um, we experience so much racism in the urban setting that we don't have the same, um, you know, paths that other people have. We have barriers. So, I'm asking you 
to consider, you know, as uncomfortable as some of these conversations might be, and your feelings might be hurt talking about it, really consider what it must be like from the Indigenous point of view, where, you know, our people are literally dying because of the lack of education and knowledge. And if you need help with that, you know, there's a great new book that I've, uh, I'm just flipping through and reading and I've seen a TED Talk and it's about white fragility. And, you know, I'm thinking that we need to talk and a little more about white fragility and talk it more about from colonial because people of color, whether they come from South Asia, whether they're Asian company or uh, countries, whether they come from Africa, all people can be oppressors if they don't understand what colonialism is. And uh, so, you know, I don't want to pick on just the white people by any stretch. I want to be very inclusive and be very clear that I know I've experienced racism from people of color uh, based on the fact that they don't understand colonialism. So, you know, read the book, White Fragility, especially if you identify as white and uh, go through the TED Talks and and such. And there's resources available. There's a great um, group called AROC here in Calgary, and they have tons of information on the CommunityWise AROC website that talks about anti-racism practices. So these are some of the things I wanted to talk today about. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Victoria Norris, who's running for the Métis Nation of Alberta. Um, You know, I felt really grateful to talk to her and find out that she was actually inspired to run because she's seen an Indigenous woman run. And uh, for those who don't know, I think I might be the first First Nation person to run for city council. And... uh, you know, I really want to encourage people to learn about the Métis Nation of Alberta vote coming up and, uh, you know, check out some of the candidates and see who it is that you might support. But I'm definitely watching Victoria Norris because she's been a long-term friend of mine and um, definitely want, uh, you know, good things to happen for the Métis Nation of Alberta. Another vote that's coming up is the uh, AFN, and that's the Assembly of First Nations. There's uh, quite a few candidates that have put their name in, and we're going to be watching that this weekend. So I think with that, that's a good start to my first episode. I was a little nervous, frankly. So I I wanted to say thank you again for uh, signing up to the Patreon account, Native Calgarian. I want to give another shout out to Kenna and Matt for showing their support to the show. And you know, if you have any questions, any comments, I'd love to hear them at nativeyyc at gmail.com. And lastly, I'd like to thank my husband, Darcy, because I would not be having a podcast without his help and knowledge and support. So with that, I want to say thank you. And I look forward to talking to you at the next podcast.